Today is Sunday, August 13th, 2017. This is Celtic Speed on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry A. Trussell. Episode number 222 of Celtics Beat, presented by today's sponsor, Audible, with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at www.audible.com slash Celtics Beat. So, I, I would love to suggest an audiobook on the 2008 Celtics, with this season coming up being the 10th anniversary of the last Celtics championship season, which we can now actually celebrate, too, as an anniversary, not a drought, which the last time, that's what that one certainly felt like, and doing so today in a unique manner, because CLNS, which will officially be rebranded as CLNS Media now in in just a matter of weeks, uh, would not be here today without the 2008 Celtics. It, It spawned this entire operation well out of the Celtics, so our dearest guest today with us here right now, Mr. Nick Gelso. Nick, of course... You're, you're welcome for being here uh, on this show. Uh, Thank you. You know, we all have not just fond memories of the playoff run, the comeback against the Lakers, the capper against the Lakers, uh, Game 7 against LeBron, but the whole season, I mean, going all the way back to the Garnett trade on, on the final days of July 2007. I mean, I know you remember that old commercial that played throughout that entire season. I, I, I you know, the I remember finding out about you commercial. You remember that, I assume, right? You're supposed to start agreeing. Of course. Yes. Okay. Sure. It, listen, that was a terrific ad, and you know me, me and Delvin ads as much really as anyone, but that was an ad that really resonated because there were many of us who were that euphoric during the process of the Garnett trade, and of course, you know, it's eventual completion. For me, I really, you know, I didn't really get to experience the title t- seasons of the, of the 80s. I, I started following the team at the back end of the big three years. We all had to put up with Todd Day jacking up shots from everywhere on the floor. <laughs> I'm a veteran all-star Antoine Walker. Uh, going to those games at the then Fleet Center, and it's all middle school kids and Vince Carter jerseys, Allen Iverson jerseys. <laughs> Kobe. You're, you're a little different. You got yeah. to experience 86 but then you bailed. You checked out for the 90s and most of the yachts. But then you got back on board. So could you take me back to your decision? What went through your mind? And for that matter, you know, when was it in 08? Was it at the Garnett trade? Did you wait for them to start out 20-2 uh, and two before you said, okay, I'm going to bandwagon back on the Celtics as they're worthy of my time again? I love how you're throwing these jabs at me. Like, I, I'm a bandwagon fan. Not too many people. Uh, come on, you just got done saying... You came in the tail end of the big three. I sat 22 years without a championship. It just so happened that I got into the restaurant business and got extremely busy and wasn't able to sit by a television uh, 24, you know, 42 games or 82 you games out of the year. the newspaper the next day. And Absolutely not. Like Have you ever been in the restaurant business, Larry? No. All you do is chef and you uh, you manage and you, you deal with customers, but – the 90s, I have to correct you there, because in the 90s, those br- brutally horrific years, uh, I I didn't check out, dude. I was still a hardcore fan throughout. I think I che- I got to be honest with you. I checked out when Paul Pierce, uh, I think it was against the Pacers, came out in the fake bandage and uh, pretended like he got five. Uh, his, yeah, that, that was really when I I said, OK, I've seen I've, I've officially seen enough. 
So I really had about a three-year period, two-year period where I didn't pay attention at all. But with the big three, I mean, it just so happened that I was getting out of the restaurant business at that time and uh, was able to start paying attention again. Good timing because it was something to watch and they were on national TV again. Don't forget, Larry, in the 90s, there was no league pass. I'm not in the Boston market. So having had to watch, you watched uh, the box score or you watched uh, highlights on ESPN and, and there weren't too many in the 90s. But uh, back to what I was saying, 08, 07, 08, I was getting out of the business and I, once you, you know, once you get out of a big operation like the, the restaurants that I had, you, you lose a sense of need. And I, I needed something to keep me occupied and not depressed. And and uh, I started to bash on LeBron on Facebook, which turned into a Bleacher Report uh, featured columnist role that turned into North Station Sports, which was the original uh, CLNS. And that's that's kind of how it happened coinciding and of course there was a lot of a lot of enthusiasm about that team it wasn't hard to talk about i want to get to that later for the, the yeah, no spawning of, of clns but just even going back to that season the memories that you had of that season first off were you did you watch the 07 lottery may 22nd did you yeah watch i that? did okay. what yeah, were your feelings yeah. after that because i remember after that occurred i mean it was it felt like i swallowed a bicycle i was like my, yeah it was a I 22 mean, year drought I thought, I mean, this is going to be, oh, my goodness, this is at least another 10 years now. I mean, what were your feelings after that lottery? Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was upsetting. I mean, but but for an old school fan, having watched what Patino did in gutting the, in all the tradition and culture out of the franchise with the new ownership group and bringing Danny Ainge back and the enthusiasm had started to come back, at least from where I was to no say, way. okay, no okay, way, this team Ainge is in good hands. Danny Ainge was Back not then. for me, man. Not for me. I remember he was revival, I, but not I, for me. You know, not for me either. But there, there were. I mean, we were. A, I don't even. I don't. Endangered species. We were few and far between people who. Well, not for Justin Poole and John Duke. I, I tuned into during the lottery in 07, I had it on mute and listened to Celtic stuff lives, Celtics blog, uh, draft show, and yes, there was a go back in the archives and take mm-hmm. a listen because it sounded like a a uh, someone died. No, it was <laughs> you know. It was bleak, but did you think it was going to be another ten plus years after that? I thought I, I think I, there was that. That was a lot of where I felt it was never going to happen. Ever? Yeah, the I mean, there was there was a, a point where you just I at least me as a fan started to just say this is what it is, and and it's frustrating, just very 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 frustrating. But I saw enthusiasm in in the owner. I saw, I saw some enthusiasm is not the right word. Positives in the ownership group, bringing Red back around, and then of course by 07, Red had passed away. But uh, you know, Dan- Danny Ainge, I loved him. I loved Doc, so there was some enthusiasm there. But man, that was really, really depressing for sure. And then it I just, mean, Durant yeah. or Odin, right? I mean, that was the choices. It was. It was more just along the fact of it, the Celtics just couldn't get a break for twenty. Couldn't years. get a break. I mean, they just. Yeah. It, it, it literally just felt like that. <laughs> Uh, and then they've gotten plenty of breaks since, but it really changed on a whim. I, I don't want to call it on a whim. The Ray Allen trade at the time was like, you know, huh? Okay, whatever. But the whole Garnett thing, it, it changed. See, I, 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 okay, go ahead. I was excited about the Ray, the Ray Allen trade. I didn't think it made them a contender, but it at least solidified Paul as not, hopefully, not wanting to be traded. So, and then you, I didn't. I mean, I, I was not Nostradamus that I knew that it was going to change Garnett's mind and he was going to want to come now, but. Uh, there was at least something to look forward to. I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. At the time, it was kind of devastating. You know, 
a lot of us at the time, when we look back on it, we say, oh, as soon as they traded for Garnett, they were title contenders. That was not the perception. Mr. Bob Ryan. Bob Ryan, exactly. This is the second round and out team that won 50 games in the regular season. There's no way they can make it past the second round. If you can remember how you felt after the Garnett trade, I uh, listen, it's probably going to be pat myself on the back. I thought they were going to the NBA Finals that year after the Garnett trade. I didn't think they would win. I thought they'd make the NBA Finals. I I thought they'd follow sort of a similar path to the Heat when they got Shaq. The Heat needed one year for everything to sort of really come together, and then they actually had a very strange season the following year. But I thought it was was going to take a year. If oh, Okay, go. Yeah, if, they, if this were today, I think I would say I would have been on the Bob Ryan stance. But having been a, a, a diehard fan back then, the, the enthusiasm in, in my right, life didn't really for the care. Celtics. It was just like, finally, they're good again. Yeah, I didn't exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, and and I think that the overwhelming consensus around everybody you listened to in the NBA who were the experts at that time, some still are, uh, was that they need more pieces. But it, it taught me a lesson, Larry, that once you start putting major pieces on on a on a roster, people will take sacrifices. At least back then, people take sacrifices in salary to play with a winning team or a, a contending team or a good cultured franchise. James Posey and Eddie House, of course. Exactly. The references. They were just yeah. lucky that those guys were out there still on the market. I think, I think Posey was signed in, like, August, if well, I he recall. Was. And, and, yeah. and the thing is, I mean, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. We're, we're talking about 08, but I think he was – that is probably one of Danny's biggest failures, not re-signing Posey for 09. He didn't really have much of a career after that, though. No, he didn't. But it, but you know what? Had he stayed in Boston, you don't know what would have happened. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree. There was definitely a trickle-down effect. We could probably talk about that a little bit later. Uh, that, that 2019 being very, very thin, of course, then that led to Garnett the playing Garnett, more right. minutes than he should have been playing, et cetera, et cetera. But let's stick, let's stick on the good. You were on more of that Bob Ryan bandwagon, or bandwagon, more of the Bob Ryan side of, eh, this is team is sure. going to be way too thin for them to get by. Detroit was the power in the East back then. And, of course, Cleveland, Which, Cleveland was coming off the NBA Finals as well. But that was never really taken too seriously. But the, the Detroit thing, you know, for a throwback fan, it, it made it even more compelling because there was a possibility, which de- did end up being probably the letdown, not the letdown, but the, 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 the least, least compelling series. Yeah, but it but it was so so great in that run, what made it so special. I know we'll get to the playoffs, but having fought against Atlanta um, and then uh, – Detroit and then LA it was like take the take this roster and put it back in the late eight mid to late 80s and it was kind of like that was how their road to the finals was back then so seeing the franchises go up against each other like then those throwback franchises made it even more exciting the Detroit storyline was the storyline of that season it was all yeah the Celtics yep that was my feeling it was really the Celtics needed a year to I thought they would still beat Detroit in that playoffs but it was sort of that Detroit team had been together for so many years I believe they had been to six straight Eastern Conference finals they had been to -to back-to-back NBA finals a little earlier in the decade but it was that hey that Detroit's team really experienced Boston hasn't been together and while the playoff series was the least compelling series of Mm -hmm. that of that there were uh the Detroit regular season games that year I don't know if you recall, were unbelievable. I do. The, yeah, they were. The, the infamous one where Tony Allen bit on the pump fake of Chauncey yeah. Billups. And that was, <laughs> after that game, I remember there was this, I actually got in a car accident the next day because I was stupid enough to bring a four-cylinder Honda out onto the roads. There was a gigantic <laughs> snowstorm. Snowstorm. Yes. Huge mm-hmm. snowstorm the next day in Boston. I was, of course, I was stupid enough. I was 22 years old at the time to be listening to talk radio, getting all riled up. I mean, 
getting that hammered home of Tony Allen biting on that pump fake. So I got in a major car accident the next day. So that's sadly my recollection of that. But it was like after that game, that Detroit game, and I remember it being a nationally televised game. It was at home. Yeah, it was a home game. It was a home game, and everything mm-hmm. about the about that game, the, the one fear of the Celtics was they didn't have a backup point guard. They didn't have a veteran point guard uh, to spell Rondo mm-hmm. when he came off the court. And sure enough, Rondo came off the court in that game. The Celtics blew a double-digit lead late in the game. They brought in Eddie House, um, and he couldn't even get the ball up court. Like, who was oh, it yeah. who kept stealing stealing it from Eddie House? Well, and then, and then, going then that, the that, that, yeah. that encouraged him to go out and get Cassell. But don't forget, Larry, too, that How did you Rondo... feel after that Detroit game? i got to interrupt well, you. How, it, what was your feeling after that Detroit loss? Well, I, my, my feeling was that, that they needed somebody to back up Rondo. I mean, clearly, I still wasn't deflect, dejected to the point where I thought they couldn't beat them because at that point, they were playing so well prior to that that, you know, I mean, it was – I felt like it would be a good competitive series. My concern going into the that season was the point guard position, not just to spell Rondo, but Rondo was unproven. Yeah, but it didn't take long for him to prove himself. That was quick. That yeah, was that was the underrated – that was really underrated about that year was how quickly Rondo was able to – I mean – just, but Larry, you're yeah. you're forgetting as as they went into the playoffs, Rondo his playing time got limited. Doc relied more on Cassell and and Rondo pouted a little bit during you know it, it we'll get we'll get to the playoffs. But um, Cassell was in and out of the rotation as well. If you remember in the Lakers series, he played a ton of minutes in Game Five. And then Eddie Cassell House played over never played Rondo. In, yeah, and Eddie House played a lot in Game yep. Four. It was that that was there were so many re- really you know goofy quirks about that season and one of it mm-hmm. of course being was doc rivers not having a rotation the entire season mm-hmm. they never mm-hmm. had a set rotation of course we're going to get to the playoffs but i remember tony allen coming in off the bench ice cold for game 5 we were watching that bunch of my friends mm-hmm. just screaming at tony allen coming into the game anyways once again save that for a ro- we'll try to do this chronologically as best we could just, I guess, browse around the regular season. The Detroit thing was the storyline of the regular season. It really was. No, it wasn't. Detroit. Oh, it might have been the storyline. Of the regular season. The, yeah, maybe of the – no, but of the regular season, I think that the the long-lasting – or the the, 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 store, the the trip that defined the season the Texas was triangle. the Texas Triangle. Yeah. Correct. I, I was going to ask you, was that your epiphany moment yes. of this team is the favorite to win the NBA championship? Yeah. Because everything I changed remember, after that. I remember watching the San Antonio game in particular and thinking, okay, this team has arrived. And and you talked earlier about, you know, feelings after the, the draft. I mean, and I think it all culminated probably with that moment in saying, you know, from the draft to where they could go to Texas. And in that time, that was a tough, tough, tough road trip uh, with those teams. Brutal. And sweep it. I remember getting teary-eyed, thinking this team has arrived, and it, uh, getting feelings of throwbacks to the '80s when they were competitive every single year. You remember who the hero of the San Antonio game was, too, right? Ah, well, who it was, was the Cassell. hero? He had a couple yeah, big, was. and it was he kept a couple big shots on the top of the key down the stretch. He did his big ball dance, and it was wild. Mike. And I, I, can remember, remember. I remember watching Paul Perillo on, I think it was Fox Sports Net back then. It might have been Comcast, so forgive me, but if one of those channels. Uh, and he came. I, I remember sharing the same sentiment. He's just like, this team is absolutely loaded, unstoppable. Yeah, I, they don't have. And, and, and of course, that was really Cassell's really only, only moment with the team. But it was really. I thought they were a titleish team. And you're right. After the San Antonio game, 
when they came back from like twenty five down in that game. If I, you know, they were that was like they were up. They were, it was like yep. something like twenty four to nine, something like that. Larry, like one of those weird scores. And after I that remember. game, I said, "This is they're the perennial favorites. I know they're inexperienced, but they're so much better than everybody else, and they're so much deeper. I don't see a weakness of the of the team." Go ahead. That, that, now, again, going back at that time, I was in in the PA market, not having access to Boston games, and I. I I don't remember if that game was nationally televised on my cable. It was a, It might have been an NBA TV game. I know it was on a Monday because the next day they went to Houston on a Tuesday that was nationally televised yeah. on TNT, and that was when Houston had that 24-game winning streak or whatever. They ended that on a back-to-back. Then they played another nationally televised game on a Thursday in Dallas. That Dallas game, they probably played a C-minus game against a pretty decent Mavericks team, and they still won. The, the, the Mavs win... And the Rockets game when they ended the long winning streak to me were bonuses. Like I said, it was the San Antonio game. Could I was, step back to the San Antonio game? So yes. that I mentioned about you know getting kind of teary eyed. Well, the cable went out. It was either the cable or the broadband. I don't remember. And I had to listen to the game on the on on M- NBA dot com, but on the radio, which picked up Grandy. And it was my first experience in having Grandy call the game in a winning environment. And that the way he called that game is what brought me to tears. It just it, it was just amazing. It was amazing. So Sean Grandy, thank you. The end of the twenty two year odyssey. I know he had that one oh, scripted. He had yeah. that. He started the script before that game. So yeah. let's just fast forward to the playoffs because the rest of the season after that was really just it was ceremonial mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the Texas Triangle. Sure was. And uh, there was playoff doubts almost immediately. I mean, they as there should have been. But well, it was really. Those middle games in Atlanta, those they were disastrous, and the middle games, the middle games in Cleveland were disastrous as well. How are you feeling, I, say after Game Six against Cleveland? I think that the biggest concern in both the Atlanta and the Cleveland series was, and of course that they couldn't win on the road, but the fact that this experienced veteran team was getting so rattled by rattled. the crowd. The Atlanta and crowd, especially the Atlanta really crowd, which, which I cannot believe we're actually saying. That I know the crowd was fans so Atlanta, good, but, but they were so good in that series, and it was so so they hated each other. Those two teams, with Petrulia and and it just the concern was: do they have the composure? And again, it was a lot of docs rotations. At that point, I don't think they were even figured out. If they I nev- remember, no, he never correctly. figured it out. He never he never had a rotation the entire year. So that was the big concern, and I remember, and I don't, again, getting ahead of ourselves, but when the Celtics won that, they lost that game at home against Detroit. One, yep. It was either one or two. And they were, two. It was two, and then they were forced two. to win on the road. They came back, and they just when they went Detroit. on the road, they crushed when they went, them. When they went on the when they went on the road and, and crushed them, that was when it, when it, right. it, it, I exhaled. I think everybody, it was a collective exhale. They finally went on the road. It had broke that little two two round jinx and. Now it didn't matter who they fi- who they played in the finals or in the, if what team showed up in the rest of the Detroit series. It was a foregone conclusion. The Celtics were going to win the championship in my mind. Well, they were they were they were significant underdogs against the Lakers. I thought they were going Which to beat I the was Lakers. Ridiculous. Well, that, that was once again, I, it still went all the way back to how poorly they were playing in the playoffs. But still, the, or, the yeah. Lakers team didn't have the. If you put the roster side the, to the side, Lake, to well, this the Lakers day, rolled in the West. You know, if you recall, what, excuse me, they rolled. They beat the Spurs, who were the defending champs in five games. Uh, what else did they do? I know they had a. But they had a, a, an injured Andrew Bynum, if I remember correctly, right? So they had. Yeah, Bynum Gasol. wasn't. Yeah, but Bynum, that was Bynum didn't play basically that entire season. I know. So they had Fisher, 
I don't want to go through the whole roster, but I think the mismatch in talent on that roster. Kobe was when it got to the finals, it was really obvious that he was alone. Mm. Listen, I I thought they were going to beat the Lakers. I definitely did not have it as a cinch. Let's talk they about were, what's more important. Yeah. How did you feel when those the amazing? You talk, you're a PR guy. You love the commercials. Those amazing the throwback remember. commercials of. You know, birds stealing the ball, magic with the baby hook. Now, this is the stuff that brought me right back to my. Now, youth. didn't they do that too? Oh, was that the double face thing as well? They had half bird, half yeah, and magic, then they had yeah. half bird and half magic. They were, they were, they were well done, especially back they were then because so... there was there was still a good portion of the audience that experienced the Lakers Celtics in the eighties. I know there still it's is. Little, now it's ten years later. Uh, yeah, but know. there still is. No, yeah. come on. I mean, I, I'm still alive. I, I think there's a lot of my brother, older brother, still alive. I mean, there's a, a lot, lot of the of NBA fans are very young. Listen, the, the 20s, NBA you know. base of fans that we interact with at CLNS, it's a digital entity, so we're interacting with much younger fans. But there are still our parents' age fans that are out there who remember it all. And But that, that to me, made those commercials made the series what it was. I mean, legends never die. I mean, the only thing that was kind of funny was seeing Magic and Bird in a jersey at 55 oh, or 60 I know. years old. That was really shoulder scary. fat. The, the, yeah. the, the, oh, yeah. yeah nah, the shoulder yes, fat, exactly. yeah. No, right. it, it, it was hideous. So, you know, we were talking about the playoffs, and, and Kevin Pelton, once again, just keeps putting out these best teams of all time, especially with how much the Warriors rolled. So the 2008 Celtics, technically, analytically, regular season were, I mean, I think they were one of, you know, really just a handful of teams that had double-digit point differential. Yeah. But they're severely docked for that less-than-stellar playoff run that they had, especially early on when they needed seven games to beat. I mean, how many games did Atlanta win that year? Like 36? Yeah, but you know um, what? In that Cleveland series, if it didn't go, if it didn't go seven, you never would have had that Paul Pierce Lebron moment, which was a throwback to Bird and and, and Dominic. Everyone who was there too realized that was that immediately that was correlated that. Now, Larry, even, yeah. when when that ball went up in the air and came back down on that free throw, I immediately thought Don Nelson. I thought. Red hour back. I mean, it was just such a selfish say moment. The closest, and then the no, pressers, the, the right? Don's, and the, the closest Don Nelson moment was the PJ Brown shot. Because that, PJ yeah. Brown, I, mean, I, I was, I was in the ba- top row of the balcony, and you could see everybody waving. No, no, no. What are you doing, shooting that ball? And it was, you know, yeah, of course, when it went in. It was the ultimate no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes moment. Yeah, in yeah, sports. yeah. But but Paul then after the game, hat tipping Red hour back felt like also a bookend on on that that whole red hour back tragedy of what Patino did to him and then bringing him back and I don't want to get into all that Wick brought him back and you know he was dying at that point but for for Pierce to say that it, I think it's what any fan that it was over the age of 16 was pro- at that time was probably thinking you know red had a hand in that he tapped that ball in okay it was just so special man <laughs> we'll do we'll do we'll do that part for your sake anyways this episode <laughs> of Celtic Speed is being presented by Audible Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks original audio shows news comedy and more from the leading audiobook publishers broadcasters entertainers magazine and newspaper publishers and business information providers so last week we suggested Bob Ryan's obviously Mr. Ryan hosts Bob Ryan's podcast on the CLNS Media Network app uh, who did Bob have on his last episode, by the way, Nick? David Stern, baby. It was a great, great episode. I mean, they talked a lot about about the the old Celtics, a lot about Red Auerbach, mentioning him a lot in this episode, a lot about Bill Russell, a lot about how the NBA went from the 2-2-1-1-1 one, one, one 
format and the finals and how they how they had how red had a hand in changing that and how it, the conversation actually went down really a fascinating episode between two uh basketball legends who never picked up a basketball yeah I, i've yet to get around to it uh, you know oh, it yeah, i've been working with ryan stitt and his terrific show that's also on the app the history of ancient greece so I guess, of course, I'm reading Herodotus right now, so easy for me to say. uh, So our listeners can listen to Herodotus for free by using Audible's offer. Uh, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash CelticsBeat and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash CelticsBeat. That's audible.com slash CelticsBeat and get started today. Larry, we got to get your book on Audible. And I, you know, I, I was definitely, I was going to ask too. I mean, any, any volunteers? <laughs> Anybody? Let's get some. Any listeners who has a nice voice, hit me up, Nick G at clnsmedia.com, and, and maybe we can have them voice your your amazing book. I would love to hear a review. We were just talking about you know the '90s. That's what that, yeah. that entire book was about. And the fall, sure. of Wilson, the fall of the empire, and then it <laughs> rose again during the Renaissance. It's, you know, it is the 10 year anniversary of this team. The feeling that we have now in 10-plus years, we're celebrating the anniversary of the 2018. Yay, what a wonderful team. Back in 1996, it was a little more dreary Ugh. for Celtics Nation. It was, it was, it was horrible. That, was, that goes all the way back to, to bandwagoning on other teams. You stuck, you stuck through this time a lot better. Is it because that you've had to with CLNS, or it's just because they've the Celtics have just done such a tremendous Larry, job? Why are you? I love how you give me these backhanded compliments that are really—they're actually insults hidden by compliments. I stuck through this team much better than I did, and you're still saying in the '90s, dude. I was recording highlights on ESPN in the '90s, and there weren't too many highlights. So, I mean, I stuck through the '90s. I had about a three-year spell. In the in the mid two thousands, that I I, I kind of said, okay, enough for. is enough. That's what the books for. Right. You got to get someone That's to read what it, the right? Books for. So I, listen, I I've, I've obviously I cover the team now, so I, I have a good recollection of what happened in those years. But I I was just too busy at that time. So anyway, these your question, these rough years um, were very tough. I mean, Larry, you remember it was hard to running this business is difficult enough, and then trying to get on nightly podcasts after every Celtics game with the post game shows. And talk about a 24-win team and missing Doc Rivers, which I was, I am a Ooh, Doc dead wrong on that sympathist. One. I'm still a Doc sympathist. I mean, I'm glad he's gone, but I still love him. Um, missing Ray and 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 Kevin and and Paul. Uh, yeah, it was tough, but it was only one year, man. It was one year. The second year, I mean, it's amazing. One what and a half because did. the first that that first half of 15. Yeah, you're right, I remember, you're I remember right. doing Celtics beat, and it, and it was almost like I was doing Celtics beat out of default. It was like, who wants to host? Oh, get get LHR in there. Look, what, get LHR. Look, look but you know, that Larry, spot. But you know, Larry, in, the, in those year, in those two years or year and a half, now at this point we've exceeded them. But up to that point, they showed our greatest ratings. Uh, we were the only podcast. We were the only ones covering the Celtics. We were the only Not ones to pat ourselves the back on the back. We were the no, only ones that did. We don't have to then. because the actual Boston Celtics pat us on the back for that because we stuck through in the rough years and we were covering all 82 games and in multiple forms at TD Garden, on podcasts, on the blog. So the point I'm trying to make is there was nowhere to get national coverage of the Celtics for diehard fans because. The national audience, or there was no national audience. They were not playing them on national TV. They were not a topic on NBA TV or ESPN, and therefore the, local the only place, them. the only place to really tune in, if you were a Celtics fan out of market, uh, 
was our, our network. And yep. that's, I believe, so I credit Paul Pierce making that trade happen and Danny Ainge, and I credit Brad Stevens in that era for, for really helping to, to blow up CLNS Media. They were our best years. Now we've surpassed them since, but to date at that point, those that two-year mess of a team, year and a half, uh, were our best years rating-wise. And when we really got noticed, I think. And it, it really it, it it all spawns too back in two thousand eight because that gave you the inspiration really to just talk Celtics needed a place to talk Celtics, and then of course it's even crazier in its own right because here we are plugging you know the history of ancient Greece here we are plugging Jim Grant Bob Ryan yep, and yep, you know yep. the Emerson polling it's all all because of the 08 Celtics and I guess this is sort of like you know your Florida really just gives sort of the synopsis of you know because this this predates me being at CLNS I didn't I wasn't here till twenty eleven so you got to give me you know. Yeah, the only guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was myself, Calvin Chamberlain, a guy named Lee Herman, and Jared Weiss. That was our team, and we were, believe it or not, I mean, I, I know people who know me or hear me on multiple shows. You know, I'm usually a guy who's talking about audio visual content. That's what we do here. But at that time, it was very written based, and thank God we had good writers because, as you know, Larry, I was an editor's nightmare. I'm not a very good writer, so um, it was it was so much fun. It was back in the day where Twitter was just starting out and forums, the Twitter real GM forums. Twitter was hot then, though. Twitter was hot in, like, 09. 09 is when it yeah. really started boosting. Um, but it still wasn't nearly as big as it is right now. But back then, you were still visiting Celtics blog forums. You were visiting real oh, GM forums. we still forums. are. We still are. We still are, but that was the basis. Those, of how those were the only their... places, really. Now it's They were the places. Anyway. So, you know, your goal was to get – linked up by Shirley at Celtics blog. You got that link. You got an immediate thousand hits on your article. Uh, and it was just, it was fun. It was competitive, but it was fun. And it was always my thought that powers and numbers and some other people in the Celtics blogosphere, quite a few don't feel that way. So I tried to really connect myself with Jay King and Greg Payne. And they were the guys who were blogging at that time with Jeff Clark. Obviously that partnership still is actually gotten closer this year. Um, and even in back then, we you were. Gotta, you got to shout! You got to shout! Elrod Enchilada and his ten thousand word columns of like every single trade idea, you know, known to man on Real GM. And then they were must read stuff. They were terrific. Had, for me, I had to skim. Ten thousand is just. They way were. Too many. They were about they ten thousand. Like they were like three. Oh no, my articles were <laughs> like were, I, were like pamphlets compared to his. Yeah, pamphlets. I mean, he he so, literally wrote like the New Yorker. <laughs> Like they were on, anyway, they were New Yorkers. To kind of, kind of really, really uh, culminate that whole period was okay, by 2010, Twitter was there. But that run, if you remember, I don't want to get off 08, but that run was so unlikely. And when the Celtics beat Orlando in Boston, I remember there was no text. There was very little texting back then. Uh, my phone rang. It was quapped. It was. Uh, John Corrales, it was Jay King, it was everybody, and I was calling people, and we were all just like, holy cow, they did it, they're going were you back at to that the game? finals. Those games that I went to in 10, those games that I went to in 10 were better yeah. in 08, in my opinion. They were just so better. surprising. The night, yeah, that, when they that, knocked out LeBron, I was the best Celtics game I, I was went there to. for that one. And that was the best that, game they ever went to. and That, that, was, that was the best, and he, he totally, I to this day, he quit. He quit, and I, I, I think... 
Not to bring oh, up, we had so much day. fun that night. Oh my god! Oh my god! Can you imagine? I mean, the ball busting in the in the stands uh, for LeBron was. Remember, they were chanting, chanting the MSG. Knicks. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, New York I mean, Knicks. That was Madison the best crowd yeah. that there ever was at a Celtics game. Lily. I mean, I was at literally at them all since the new building, going all the way back to '02 with the the playoff run against the Nets, the championship night. I'm of course, I mean, you know that. I hate to say what you know, put it up against that, but the best crowds I thought were at those 2010 games for whatever reason. There was. Remember there was uh, game three against the Lakers. They lost that game, but the crowd was just electric that night. Electric. What a game that was. That and was Derek Fisher's that game. That was a Derek Fisher it? game, I know. But yeah. just the, the, anyways, you're right. Not to get off 08. The, the crowds then, it was just – it's, it's sad. It's so long me, ago. Too. If you were to ask 10. me my favorite run, it's 10 versus 08. Uh, I did oh, 10, I'm there they lost. The week the finals were in, they had the 2-3-2. Two, two, so the, the finals were in Boston for a whole week, right? I think game no, three it was, was it a was... Tuesday. It was two two one 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 then. No, nope, no, it was two three two. It was. Two, they changed it after that season, Larry. Google it. Okay, how much do you want to bet? We are recording on air. The first time I did two two one 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 was twenty fourteen against the Spurs. The two three. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, two three two was much. still the format. I so take it, it was back. two three two. I remember the game three. The if it game was a Tuesday, it went Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Yeah. If yeah. I recall, and uh, that that week the finals was in Boston. It was the greatest week of my life. So. That's yeah, kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, let's get. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Sad we're, gonna, we're gonna move around. We're gonna move. We're gonna move along to this upcoming season. First off, you know, listen, I've kind of transitioned from you know the off season, thoughts on the off season, but I'll, I'll give you sort of you know just a brief you know thoughts on the off season, thoughts going into this season as well, because you're going to be heavily involved with Celtics coverage more so than you ever have this year. With yeah. Our report. We're going to get into that, but just give me your opinions and your takes from uh, these this past June and July. I mean, having covered Summer League, I mean, I know it's not so much Summer League, but it's Summer League. But Tatum was just so NBA-ready, not to say he's going to be jumping out immediately. Yeah, Mix won't, won't even play eight minutes a game. That's what he said. I mean, was, yeah. yeah, I I, I just – I think – I think I'm re-energized by Kevin Pelton's silly projections with the algorithms and everything. This team is – I think they're going to compete. There's going to be an area of adjustment, obviously, with any roster – that this is a whole new roster for the most part. I think it's what all but six, five players. No, I know. Are it back. seems it's the case outside of last year. It seems to be the case every year for the last eight, nine years. They're just new rosters. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't see how you add Gordon Hayward and guys like Isaiah and Al. Their efficiency, maybe their numbers will come down, but their efficiency is going to go up. Um, and Hayward is going to benefit from the the the, uh, the system that the Celtics play. I, I think a lot, unfortunately, and this is kind of like a dodgeball question answer, but a lot is going to. Yeah, yeah, uh, man. Did, did, yeah, no, no politics here. I mean, just real quick, just give me <laughs> a win total and win, oh, how the season's like ending. Total. Oh right, my let's goodness! Say 55, 55 Thank Fifty-five wins, Celtics. Now, the, 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 how the season is ending really depends on what happens in Cleveland. I think a lot, but okay, I can well, see how's the, the Celtics making it to the finals. <laughs> the, season, the Celtics can make it to the finals and get killed by the Warriors. They will get uh, killed. And if they do end up, if Cleveland's intact and they do end up playing Cleveland in a, in its current state, the Celtics can obviously push it seven games, and I think they'll have a better regular season record, which means it would be at TD Garden, which changes a lot. They play well at home. Talk about now what you're going to be doing for the Garden Port this year as well, too. That's feel yeah, free. Yeah, man. I mean, every CLS. year I've 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 pretty much compute, commuted uh, from PA to Boston several times. A month or once a month at least to come up and and be at the garden. Well, this year I'm I'm 
moving up permanently. And uh, we'll be at the Garden for all home games. And the CLNS audience can, Celtics fans can expect a lot of practice coverage, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that they have not seen in previous years. And uh, I couldn't be more excited, man. I mean, again, alongside Jimmy Toscano, Trags is obviously going to be on the team this year. Joe Sway will be around again. Weiss will be around again. But um, I'm pretty honored to share the camera with Jimmy and, and Jared and, and uh, right there on the parquet floor after every single home game and select road games, Larry. We're going to travel, too. You're going to travel, not me. We. I don't know what this we no, is. That's you don't French. even travel outside yeah. of your studio, man. Uh, schedule <laughs> has been trickling out. Uh, the opener is Cleveland, right? I nailed the opener. The Cleveland. You nailed yep, the opener. And you did. And I also got- told I, – I also now get to recuperate my sufficient sum that I wagered with Trags about the Golden State in Cleveland will play on Christmas. Uh, did not get the Christmas game correct, though. Washington, did you did you predict with the Washington one? Or? I, 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 I saw that on Twitter from a, from a you said on YouTube, verified account. On YouTube. Okay. Uh, so I predicted the Wizards, but I never, ever predicted it to be a TD Garden. However, who wants to play in Washington? So the Garden staff is going to have to work this year on Christmas – uh, but, hey, man, couldn't be more exciting. We're going to actually see TD Garden, the parquet yeah, floor, I mean, on Christmas. I, 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 first time in 50 years. I was going to say, yeah, the last time was, what, like 64 or something like that? Yeah, I 64, 65, somewhere around there. It only happened bad, one yeah, time. It's too bad. It's just too late in the day for me. Oh, well. Anyways, oh, that is going to do it uh, for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Legretto, per usual. Today's sponsor was Audible. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more. You'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com slash Celticsbeat. Thanks to everyone who don't just make this podcast the number one Celtics podcast on iTunes, but for listening in mid-August. We always <laughs> do it here 52 weeks a year. And again, CLNS founder, Mr. Gelso, you are welcome to the invite. I thank you not just for the invite, but for working as hard as you do, man. And thank you to the listeners every single week. This is Larry H. Russell signing off for episode number 222 with Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Media.